Working through First uh, Timothy and uh, really the nuts and bolts of uh, church life, and um, we come to First Timothy uh, chapter three, and uh, Paul's going to share with us both uh, in just bring me down a little bit in one through seven about uh, being an overseer in the life of the church, and I know that there's a disposition in New England that unless you have a steeple. Unless you have stained glass, <laughs> uh, uh, you're not a church. But a church has very little to do with um, bricks and mortar and stained glass and steeples and all of that. Although the aesthetics of it and and having a having a uh, a nice room to worship in certainly has its benefits. But uh, a church is not that. A church is people, and and a church like. Um, is um, rises and falls on its leadership, just like every organization that you participate in. Uh, if you're if you're a leader in your company or you're a leader in your vocation, you know that the most critical aspect of your job as a manager or a director is who you hire. And a lot of times, um, it's not the person's technical ability that carries the day. It's those soft skills like uh, uh, emotional intelligence, the ability to uh, communicate, the ability to deal with conflict. Um, I was speaking to one of our guys that's a director in, in his company, and um, he was sharing with me about how when they do new hires, what they're looking for is, uh, believe it or not, liberal arts-type people, people that can uh, communicate, people that have good uh, people skills and because the task and the technical aspect can always be learned but if you're if you're don't have the ability um, to touch people's hearts and listen to them and motivate them and come alongside them as a mentor or as a coach then you there's not there's nowhere to go and so uh, this morning when we look at the qualities of church leadership, or the senior leadership of a church, has all to do about character. It's all to do about who the person is from the inside out. And there's only one skill or one task that's mentioned in the, in the qualifications for an overseer. Another word for that is bishop. Another word for that is pastor. Another word for that is elder. There's only one skill that's mentioned in all the other all the other qualifications have to do with character. What's that one skill? A teacher, right. So just one skill, the ability to be able to communicate uh, the truths of God's word. It's the only skill required, and everything else has to do with character. So take a look at the, take a look at the verses with me. We're going we're gonna to walk through it. It says, uh, this is a trustworthy, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And the call to spiritual leadership has its, has its basis in the heart of the person, is that the Holy Spirit works in the heart of, in, in this case, as an overseer of men, but in the general sense, the Holy Spirit works in the heart of men and women to draw them to a place that they would have that internal passion to to want to do the task. And so, and in every job that we would um, hire someone or look to recruit someone, 
if the person doesn't have the desire to do the task, it's, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to get much of anything out of the person. And so even in the leadership of the church, what we're looking for is, is in, in the broadest sense, is men and women that, that have, have that internal passion uh, to do that. And the text says that. It says, it, this, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, there's a big difference between aspiring um, to do something and ambition. And that becomes critical in the life of a church. Someone can aspire to do something and, and it's distinctly different than ambition. When someone aspires to do something, they're much more in tune to, to people and process than they are to gaining uh, position and title. If a person is motivated by ambition... People are just, uh, they're just uh, things to be used to get to the, to the end result. Ambition is not focused on process, it's focused on end result. And in church life, if someone is ambitious to, to be in a place of uh, title, position, and power, then it, it never works because people are just used up and spit out. And so here uh, at Calvary Chapel, um, we want people that desire to be in spiritual leadership, but we desire people that are not ambitious, but people that that are motivated uh, out of a sense of inner call and out of a sense to minister to the needs of people. And so here, what you know, here at Calvary Chapel, what what we want is not someone that wants position and title, but but someone that that wants to serve. To be an overseer, when we look at this word for overseer, it's translated, if you looked at your notes, it's translated as bishop, and what it means is someone that watches over, and it's used interchangeably to describe the function of the spiritual leader in the church, and there's two other words that are used to describe the function of church leadership. The first one, the second one is presbyteros, which is elder, and the third one is poimen, which is pastor. And so between these three words, it refers to the same person, and what it does is describes uh, the functions of leadership in the life of a church. And so the functions of leadership in the church are threefold. The person needs to be a good manager, right, a good overseer, uh, another Greek word that, that kind of gets at this is okinomos, which is the manager of a household. Um, and so spiritual leadership in the church has to be geared towards, is, is the person, are they, can they be a functional manager? In other words, can they be a good supervisor? And then there's two other words that are used as function, and that is elder, someone that's a wise counselor, someone that is mature, and then poimen, pastor, or shepherd, someone that can give care. Now, in church life, uh, it's all about function and not about uh, position and title. And so for here, can't speak to other places, only for here, that's why we de-emphasize position and title and highlight what? Function. And so... We're not concerned so much with 
position and title as we are concerned about releasing people into the places that they have passion for and they have a commensurate uh, gifting to do the task. And so, you know, when you, when you relate to me, you know, it's mostly uh, Ed. Uh, if, you're, if you're bold enough to call me Eddie, uh, well, you know, good luck with that. Um, but it's, it's not position and title. Unless you're under 18, then, then you're going to then you're going to refer to me as Pastor Ed. But, but the basis of leadership here is function, not position and title. Now, this can be very difficult for people coming into our church to understand if they're coming from a more structured, formal church because they're looking for what? Who's got the title? Who's got the position? Um, but when we look at the Scriptures, the Scriptures are primarily looking at describing the function of the person and, and not uh, position and title. So I'm following, tracking along with my notes here this morning. Uh, the New Testament teaches that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, right? So he's the head. And I think overall leadership in what we see in the New Testament is a team approach. It's, a, it's, about, it's about having team leaders that are called overseers or bishops or pastors or elders. But what you do see is a great diversity amongst a team to accomplish the task, which is to lift Christ up and to preach the gospel. Secondly, along with that, helping, you to, helping perhaps you to understand who we are, is that there's no fixed church government. You know, and in New England, what's the default for uh, church government? It's congregational, you know? And it's congregational, um, in my opinion, I'm going to immediately offend at least a few people here. A congregationalism, the, uh, uh, running a church through congregational vote is absurd. I mean, you could have someone that, that uh, is not a believer but a member, and they get, they get, to, they get to have a vote. You, you, you have people that, have, that they're C&Es, Christmas and Easter, you know, and they get a vote. And the people that have vested their life in, they get the, the tail wagging the dog. And it's, it's, it's no, no organization would run like that. Uh, and then, secondly, you've got, you know, when you look at the churches in New England, you get uh, the major denomination is hierarchical. So you've got the the, the grand poobahs that determine everything that happens, and, and they might have a parish council, but if the, if the uplink says no, then it, the answer is no. And so our approach here, here at Calvary Chapel when we deal with issues of leadership um, is we use a team approach. So we gather together, small group leaders, elders, pastors, we gather together functionally once a month as a, as a leadership team to talk about things, to pray together. And uh, I, I think, who was it last week that said, we, we get together once a month to seek God's will for the church? I think it was, was it you, Larry? Harry? It was Harry, right? Larry, I'm teasing him. So, um, so for us, when we look at, 
when we look at uh, applying the scriptures in, in our church, it has to do about a team effort. It has to do with seeking the heart of God. And that is a, can be a slow and messy process. Um, and many times I um, can have a little bit of anxiety over it and struggle a little bit with it because I like just to push things along and get it done, and that's the end of it. Like we went through this month's process of trying to figure out how to, you know, deal with one particular topic, the LGBTQ plus topic. And it took months to work through that because we were working through the people and the process and the decision-making that went along with that. And so for us, when we look at this part of um, church leadership, it's about function, right? Not position and title. It's about team that functions in a collegiate and a collaborative way to seek the heart of God. And so that's very different than maybe other places. And so we're, we're looking for men and women that, that have uh, inner call that would manifest itself by, say, two adjectives, uh, collegiate and collaborative way of exercising leadership in the life of the church. Next verse. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And so what is in focus here is the inner life of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The inner life must be observed in outward spiritual maturity and integrity. And so it's about, it's about character first, not about um, uh, technical skill. It's about the inner, it's about a person that has experienced the inner transformation of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is, that's the focus that affirms the, the, the heart call. And so what Paul's saying to Timothy here is the overseer must be completely faithful to his wife. Now, one question that always comes up when you're dealing with this text, the husband of one wife, does that mean if someone is a widow, they can't get married again? No, it doesn't, doesn't mean that at all. Because what we understand is that once someone passes away, the surviving spouse, they are uh, free uh, to remarry, which is going to be, by the way, my case, May 26. Some guys have said, you really should have your head examined. <laughs> but uh, Nancy's a very sweet lady, and I love her. So um, we would want to invite you to that. So once again, the, the, it's about character, and, and the only critical skill is the, is the ability to teach. And the sense is not just the willingness or readiness to explain the Word of God, but to do so in an inspired way by the Holy Spirit with prayer, with diligence, study, courage, and application on a personal and congregational level. And you get the depth of that when you harmonize um, 
the, the rest of like 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 4. And so when you harmonize those things, it's not just about the ability um, to be able to communicate. It's the ability to, to have a sense of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the congregation and then, and then having courage to be able to step up and, and to communicate those truths real time. Next verse. He must manage his own household well with all digni dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not how to for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care uh, for God's church? And so that's just a simple truth, you know, that the home is the training ground for ministers. The home is the is the place where we're vetted. The home is the place that we demonstrate our ability to lead in a, in a loving and caring way and to influence little peeps so that they, they grow up and uh, have a heart to follow after the Lord. Now, our, was my family perfect? My family was, was not perfect. Um, did I have perfect children? I did not have perfect children. Um, do I have perfect grandchildren? I absolutely do. And the only problem I have is their parents messing it up. So that is the truth, and I tell them that. You know. um, but it's not, about, it's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's about leading well in a much, much smaller environment. And so... We, we want to see, like, leadership. We want to see, gosh, have you, do, you love your, do you love your wife? Do you love your husband? Do you love your children? I mean, and, and we all know um, teenagers are, are emerging adults, and they're pulling and pushing and trying to figure things out, and, and, uh, and there's grace for that. But the proving ground uh, for, for those in church ministry is definitely the family. A couple other things, and then we'll do a little Q&A. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed, <laughs> puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. That makes sense, right? You don't want a, you, you don't want a pastor who, or an overseer who's a recent convert, or, or even like some of our churches, they're, they're really breaking new ground there. They're having pastors and ministers that are not even Christian. Yeah. What a novel idea. Not biblical, though. I'm, te I'm teasing. And, and last little thought here. Uh, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. In other words, to, to kind of like make it very practical, when the, when the cashier sees you coming up in market basket, do they smile or do they go, oh, no, him again? Right? So you have to have a good reputation in the community, people have to think think well of you, in a sense, and that requires um, that requires some work on your part uh, to be well thought of in the community. You have to recognize that you're an ambassador uh, for the kingdom of God, um, and it's not always perfect. I went into one bank uh, in Bill Ricker. Um, this was uh, a couple months ago. And um, 
And I walked in there with an attitude, I'll tell you that. I, I won't tell you what bank because, you know, I'll probably get sued. But um, I walked into one particular bank. I, I always had a problem with them, and I walked in to that bank with an attitude. And, um, and true to their uh, customer uh, unfriendliness, I wanted to do a transaction. And, and I had everything. I had my license and all that stuff. And, and uh, the, the teller goes, oh, I need to check on this. And then they go over to the, the platform manager, the assistant, and, uh, oh, no, you, you can't do that. And I, I let the person have a piece of my mind that I should have kept to myself. I said, this is ridiculous. Every time I interact with you people, you just annoy the dickens out of me. And it's, there's no reason for this. No reason for this. Th then I called up Tim, who's a banker, and he says, oh, Dad, that's the law. They, can't, they couldn't do that. So, so I was, like, fuming. And so I, I, went, I went back to my apartment, and I was fuming, and then, and then, I, then I got convicted. I said, you are well-known in this town. <laughs> what if that person goes to church on Sunday? I was like, that's not fair, God. It's not fair at all. So I got in my car, went back, and apologized to the manager. I said, you know, I just had so many, like, and then I said, oh, I'm making excuses. I had... I had no right to treat you that way, and I, and I apologize, and, and I'm sorry. And, and, I, and the, the teller was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe this. <laughs> but that's what it looks like. You know, if, you, if, you're going to be, if you're going to be a leader in the church, then you have to be a leader in the private places, where it's your home, where no one sees, or it's in your interactions with, with people that might have a disposition to annoy you, you know, to be able to be kind-hearted to them. And so leadership in the church is a reflection of character, and character is best observed in the private places of our life. And that's the type of leadership that we would like to see in the church, and the leadership that I can say we have. So we have a couple minutes for a Q&A if you have... Um, a question about either something in the text or you have a question about how do we function, how does the leadership of this church function, I'd be glad to kind of uh, give it a shot. Yep. And just if you could just stand and tell us your name, that way everybody gets to know everybody. That's good. That's a good comment. Yeah. Someone else? Yes. Most of the Calvary chapels are hierarchical, that the senior pastor it functions uh, in, in a term that I would say is a, as a bishop, and uh, most of them are senior pastor with a with a gaggle of assistant pastors, uh, and they're structured very differently than we are. Um, we're 
and some of that has to do with our history is that we started with with home fellowship groups we started decentralized we started with a with a philosophy of, philosophy of ministry that um, gave value to lay leadership and gave value to home groups. And because of that, you get a different outcome. So most Calvary chapels, if I could put a percentage on it, 90%, they're structured around Sunday morning, midweek, and maybe a, maybe a, a prayer group. And no no one runs those groups other than the senior pastor or, or an ordained assistant. It's very different here. So, so you could go to another Calvary chapel. The Bible teaching is going to be the same. It's going to be verse by verse, just like we did this morning. Um, but the structure of the church is, is different. So, and I'm not, I'm not making any judgment that ours is better than anyone else's. I just want to be clear who we are. So. Yeah, I think I think if you move and and um, you should you should not move. The, these people that are moving to Florida, I mean, if they want, you know, anyway, anyway, they should really they should really have me come down a few months out of the year to kind of help pastor them, particularly like in February and March. That's a really good question. And so there's no judgment. I'm not making a judgment. Um, but we are very different. And uh, very different from Baptist churches, too. Baptist churches tend to have a strong pastor model. It's not that I'm not a strong pastor. Um, well, I, I actually do need to... Yeah, they do have the... Yeah, the dissent... Dissent is not treated uh, with "you're out of here." That, that's the difference. All right. Yes. Could you just tell folks your name? Sure. Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, first, you have to adore me and think that. <laughs> Never criticize and, and never say, like Paul Hayes, you know, never tell me no. <laughs> That's a great question. So, so, um, so for us, the, the track into pastoral ministry comes through the home fellowship groups. Uh, every elder here, and this is not a litmus test, but every elder here has been here for 10 years or more. And they've all come through the home fellowship groups. And so if you have a heart to, you know, do pastoral ministry, then the best way to be vetted is to be part of a home fellowship group and communicate that to the, the, the leadership of that group and, and let them give you opportunity to um, counsel people, let them give you opportunity to assist, let them give you opportunity to teach, and, and that's, that's the process uh, here. Um, and it's worked, it's worked well. 
you know, over the last 30 years because people, people are all, say, uh, vetted or observed from within. Uh, we have had a few people that have come from the outside in, um, and the, the process was truncated, and we've always had problems with people that have come that way. So, uh, and I know who you are, and I know the home group you go to, so keep, keep doing it. Does that answer your question? All right. Yeah. Thank you. You ever walk by the road, like in my neighborhood, and, and come across a dead possum or raccoon? You know what that smells like? It's a very distinct, nasty smell. That's what ambition smells like. It smells like a dead possum or raccoon. And once you smell it, like I was walking, I was walking in the neighborhood, um, you know, yesterday afternoon, and I went... Oh my, where is that baby, you know? <laughs> and that that's what ambition that's what ambition looks like. And so and we work with people that have you know, maybe they have um passion and desire and they have ambition like linked into that. We work with them and try to try to bring them along, you know, as far as recognizing that that people are the most important things. Task Task isn't important in a, a local church. There's nothing that's more important than people uh, in their hearts and uh, in, in helping people come closer to Christ. I'll just ask you, what task is, is really worth violating a, a, a person's heart? What task in church life is there? Nothing. There's, there's nothing, you know, as far as task and and I'd certainly qualify say that say you know the faithfully you know uh, doing the two ordinances and proclaiming the gospel you know we could put an asterisk you know I, I think that's a given but there's no task you know there's no task that's worth um, fracturing a relationship in church life none what color lights do you have what color carpet I mean, you know what, what you know what's your platform look like you know, would I like things improved and a little bit better? C certainly, but we're not going to. I'll tell you a funny story. We, um, we've only had a couple votes in the life of the church. You know, like real votes, like raise your hand, yes, count them, no, count them. And uh, we were doing the renovations for the, for the out front here where we have our uh, relatively new uh, coffee area. And there was this group that they were adamant we were going to have a fireplace. We were going to have a fireplace because they wanted the Starbucks look, you know? And I was like, you know, I love you guys, uh, but it doesn't kind of jive with our history and values, but I'll, I'll tell you what. And they were like adamant. Tell you what, we'll have, and we had a general leadership meeting 
encouraged all the people to come. I think we had about 50 people at this meeting. It was like biggest meet, leadership meeting we ever had in the history of the church. Why? Because people were going to vote. And, uh, and so, so I try to help them, but it was like, I don't know, Joe, do you remember? You're good with numbers. Do you remember the vote? It was something like, like I don't know, uh, 35 to 8, and they went down in flaming defeat. No pun intended. So, um, and I could, you know, we could have told them that at the beginning. But anyway, any more, that's a good point. Yeah. What's your name, please? Diane. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's pretty, that's about where I was at. Like, yeah. Uh, Howie Kai has this great line Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's. Yeah, that's kind of like, it's so funny. So, all right. Anybody else? Great. So next week we'll look at uh, kind of that, that there's another whole tier, not as an overseer, pastor, or as an elder, but what does it look like to be using leadership uh, in in these type of support roles that we see in the life of the church? And so, We'll talk about what that looks like um, uh, next week. So this was fun. I, I like doing this. I wish I could do this at the 10 all the time. But love you guys. If you, if you didn't sign up to come to the, the big social event of the decade, uh, you can, uh, May 26, 2 o'clock, see Jennifer. She'll help you out. So would you stand, and we'll have Natasha close us. Mm-hmm.